Do fantasy owners have a massive problem to do with in the Ravens' backfield? Which Johnson running back do you want among the Texans? And what's the latest on the FFPC live events at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas this year? Plus, Run to Daylight podcast host and 2020 Pros versus Joe's drafter Todd Burroughs drops in to discuss the strategy he suggests taking when moving from best ball drafts in the FFPC to the Football Guys Players Championship. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. The prognosticator is on his way. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid go good with Patron. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, the prognosticator himself, Alex Kaganowski, swings in to discuss the latest updates surrounding the 2020 FFPC live events at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, Nevada. And Todd Burroughs also joins us to talk about the best way to change up your strategy between best ball and football guys, players championship drafts and more. I want to shout out the chat room right now. You can post any questions you might have in there. If you uh, want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFF hour at Eric Balkman at David Gerzak. Uh, Alex is on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC. And then Todd Burroughs is on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's single D. Todd. Uh, you can also post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFF hour and uh, 347-426-3682-347 game over is the number you can call if you want to hang out and uh, chat with us tonight live on the air. High stakes fantasy football at gmail.com is the inbox where you can send all of your questions and uh, all of your comments on the show. Uh, our producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer, I almost forgot his title, and my best friend, Bryce, will uh, be getting to those. We'll, we'll try, we get two guests tonight, so I don't know how many emails we'll get to, but we'll do our best to get to all of them in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. want to remind everybody, myffpc.com, the home of season-long fantasy football, has Dynasty Startup still available. we got a bunch of them going off, uh, some popping, up, pop, popping off excuse me, as early as this weekend. Best Ball Slim Leagues and your standard Best Ball Superflexes also active there. Those continue to fill up daily, both live and slow. Uh, format. Of course, the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship, we're going to get into that tonight. $500,000 grand prize and that $3.1 million prize pool. And remember that early bird promotion is live right now, so make sure you're signing up for your Football Guys leagues before um, uh, June 30th and drafting before July 15th, and you'll get a free $35 FFPC team credit. And I do want to talk about the main event here, um, but I think we're better off bringing in uh, our first guest tonight, I feel like I'm hosting a talk show, like I'm Carson and you're um, Ed McMahon, um, where I'm bringing in our... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, uh, Dave is drunk. Uh, isn't that right, yeah, Dave? Um, so we're going to bring in our first guest tonight. He is the co-founder uh, of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. You've heard him on these airways many times, giving you the best props to bet. Tonight, uh, he's going to talk about betting on something else, men are speaking. It's Alex Kaganowski. Alex, uh, welcome back to the program, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. We, uh, we, we wanted to bring you on tonight because we got some news from Planet Hollywood uh, in Las Vegas regarding the live events that we will be, were scheduled to have in roughly three months, a little over three months away. And I, I want to kind of give you the floor to talk a little bit more about that and, and what the latest uh, we have going on with that is right now. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, obviously, 
you know, we've Dave and I, um, we've been thinking about this for a while, and with everything else going on in the world, I mean, everyone has their own, uh, you know, hardships to deal with, and from from the FFPC's perspective, uh, ours was was twofold. Uh, one, we we were concerned with the NFL season taking place, and second was uh, the concern of uh, how would we have the the events, the live events in Las Vegas, and. I think over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, you know we've gotten really great news from the NFL uh, that they were on on track with the release of the schedule and kind of the camp starting uh, on schedule, uh, most likely. Um, and today was the second bit of that news was that the uh, the live events are going to go on as scheduled. Now, obviously, all of that is. Um, is presuming that we will continue, the world will continue uh, improving as we have over the last few weeks. And uh, uh, if that continues, then uh, we feel really good about uh, September. Yeah, and, and I think this was, you know, we had brought this up in, in the FFPC uh, newsletter a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Vegas had been in phase one essentially now for the better part uh, of a month and, and things seem to be progressing in the right direction. And, and the thing is, too, safety is obviously going to be paramount. That, that's going to be the most important thing. But the fact that we're getting this news already uh, in May, Alex, a great sign. It sounds like, um, we're, I mean, everything should be not only a go, but we might have one of our most fun years out there uh, celebrating everybody getting out of the house and going to do something that they love. Yeah, I think that could definitely happen. Uh, you know, the great part of this is even if the – our events were scheduled, let's say, a few weeks from now, right, or a month from now, let's say, 4th of July. We would be able to have them. Now, there would be some restrictions. There would be no doubt about that. Uh, but the fact that we have three months from now or four months, is it three months or four months? It's four months. Uh, it's three and a half. Uh, so three, three and a half, three and yeah. half months. The yeah. So the fact that we have three and a half months to go, uh, actually means that by the time we have our events, there may be all restrictions may be lifted completely. You know, now, you know, to me, that's great news. Maybe some people still would be concerned, and I understand that completely. But the fact that, you know, we're heading in that direction and the fact that we could have the events even as soon as a couple of weeks from now if we, want, if we needed to have them really, it, you know, gives us a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to not only, like you said, not only have them, but have them, really with no issues whatsoever, have all the parties, have the viewing party, uh, you know, have all the drafts, uh, be able to to sit in the manner that we, you know, we're used to sitting and, um, you know, uh, and really have it have it with no issues whatsoever. And it's not just Planet Hollywood, too, that, that we expect to be a go. I mean, it's, it's going to be Las Vegas in general, The you know, everything. the All the casinos, all, all the bars, well, I, I hesitate to use the word all, but the majority of casinos, the majority of bars, the majority of resorts, everything should be firing pretty close to 100% at that point. So as much as I want to say, oh, hey, this, this, um, this will be the unofficial kickoff to uh, the, the post-COVID world, and it's going to be awesome, things actually might be uh, going a little bit, earlier than that uh and and we we might not be the first event going on out there yeah i don't know exactly when uh you know how the events are are going off right now uh but again being that we have three and a half months uh you know we have a lot of time to make sure that ours uh ours is scheduled in a way that, in the manner that we want to and um also if if and it's you know obviously it's a big if but if we need to, um, you know, have a little more social distancing, if we need to have, you know, some sort of uh, other requirements, Planet Hollywood will meet those requirements. So they will expand our, our uh, square footage if need be. And in a very extreme case, um, again, be, with three and a half months out, I don't foresee this happening, but in an extreme case, let's say if Planet Hollywood for some reason is still not, not open fully, we would be we would be moved to a larger facility in Caesar's Palace. So, so really, you know, all options are on the table, and, and things are looking really, really good for us. Yeah, all, all options, too, and, and basically every option is going to be a good one. There's, there's no, like, you know, it's not like um, baseball or basketball where they're looking at truncating the schedule, and I'm talking about Major League Baseball and the NBA here. Um, we're all options for us should be all great ones. So, Alex, at this point, you know, there's really not 
there shouldn't be much stopping FFPC players if they haven't booked their flights, if they haven't booked their rooms yet, uh, if they haven't picked up their discounted main event teams. Uh, this is the time to do it. There's, uh, I mean, this is a, an excellent opportunity for everybody to get in on the ground floor, not only with uh, getting your, the lowest possible price on your FFPC main event team, but maybe some pretty good deals on, on airline flights as well as uh, the, the, the FFPC room rate we have at PH as well. Yeah, I mean, not to be, like, salesy or pitchy too much, but the, that's the truth of the matter. Um, I haven't really looked at the flights. I had my flight booked a long time ago. I probably should to should look to see if maybe I could get, even get it reduced. Uh, but I'm assuming the flights are about as low as they're going to be now. Uh, so now's the time to book them. And I think most airlines are still offering, uh, you know, kind of a no-fee uh, no cancellation policy. So I don't think there's too much risk in that. Um, Planet Hollywood lowered our last year's rate slightly um, uh, on Friday and Saturday. We're down to 169, and on the weekdays we're at 59 dollars to stay in Planet Hollywood. You know, with a 25 dollar resorts fee. So I mean, there's really, in my mind, there's there's no risk whatsoever. Um, if you need to cancel, you could cancel, but you're not going to get better rates than you are right now. Uh, and certainly, uh, and flights. Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, this is this is the time to to book. This is the time to get in. This is very exciting for great great news for all the FFPC players. You follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC, and we will uh, be counting down the days, Alex, until we have you back on, so you can give us all those great Super Bowl prop bets to bet. Yeah, very good. That that'll be uh, about nine months from now, I guess. Or no, was yeah, it? Eight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> roughly, like yeah. all right man thanks for joining us we'll talk to you again real soon all right guys see ya alex alex kaganowski ladies and gentlemen co-founder of the ffpc follow him on twitter as i said alex underscore ffpc dave great news you you uh you have to be excited about this when you know i think we kind of knew this was coming but to get the confirmation of it uh was pretty awesome from planet hollywood yeah you know just making it official is cool um i anticipated it was going to be uh you know, for a while early on, I was really nervous, but uh, you know, the, the direction everything's going, it's uh, it's all going well, and uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. It is good stuff. We have more good stuff coming up right now. Let's bring in our second uh, Ed. We're going to bring out our second guest here uh, on the show tonight. Let's bring him in right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen. He is a winner of numerous FFPC best ball drafts. Is the host of the Run to Daylight podcast. Now you watched and listen to him draft in previous Pros versus Joe's drafts right here on these airwaves. You'll be able to do it again uh, this upcoming summer coming up in July. You follow him on Twitter at Todd from PA. Please welcome back onto the show, Todd Burrows. Todd, thanks for hopping aboard tonight, man. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. We, uh, we just talked to you. Now, you were in, uh, I forget, were you in Genesis or Revelations this past year? I, I was in Genesis uh, because, uh, you know, the beginning is better than the ending of that book. <laughs> so, uh, and we talked to you uh, a little bit about your draft, that which was very cool. Um, how did you, uh, when it was all said and done, how did you feel about your team? You feel it's going to be competitive? You feel like it's going to be one of the better ones in the Genesis League this year? Uh, it, it, you know, I've done so many drafts since then. Um, I remember coming out of the draft feeling that I had a tough uh, – spot and that I did okay, but it wasn't my favorite draft I've ever had. Um, I I think that, um, you know, it's going to be a competitive league. And, you know, that's one of the key things we're going to talk about today. Unlike a best ball, how I drafted is only part of how my team is going to do. So uh, I I think that, uh, you know, a lot is still to be discovered on that question. All right. Well, let's. I want to get into fantasy football, Todd. When you're not hosting the Run to Daylight podcast, when you're not drafting all these FFPC and, and football guys teams, tell the listeners how you're spending your time. Well, uh, you know, most of my career, I was a sales rep in the luggage business, and um, all my dealers died even before this. So I bought a carpet cleaning business in Pennsylvania. I did that kind of work, uh, installation and stuff when I was younger. Bought it from a friend. And it was kind of fortuitous now because the travel industries hit much harder than uh, other sectors. And, um, you know, hopefully my business rebounds pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I think um, if your fantasy drafting prowess 
is any indication. Uh, it should. And uh, Dave, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of what we're going to be talking about with Todd tonight here. Yes, sir, my man. How's it going? You having a having a good evening? Uh, you know, it, 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 the, the draft I did last year is a lot like my life recently, the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is uh, that is one interesting Twitter chat. I, you know, I'm, I'm in this hard way Twitter chat with uh, Todd and some other guys. And, uh, you know, I check in there once in a while. Usually I miss it, but you know, I can't scroll back. I can't have half my day occupied scrolling back. But right. There's some good takes in there. Anyway, um Tell us what you uh, you think the fundamental differences are in drafting to win an FFPC best ball league this year, uh, which are so popular right now, uh, and they will be all the way through late August, uh, versus drafting you know a, a managed team and trying to you know go for the gold, uh, trying to win life changing money in the Football Guys Players Championship. And this year it is life changing money, half a million bucks. Yeah, I got to get that Austin Martin money. Um, so I <laughs> exactly. I, I, I feel like. Um, the hard way was the worst thing that ever happened to me in one way, because it introduced me to all these high stakes guys and the whole concept. You know, I played a couple FFPC, uh, FBG drafts in the past just for fun, but um, you know, competing, uh, I'm very competitive. And as you get older, it, it gets harder and harder to find motivation. And I always felt that I could have been a high stakes guy. I just wasn't someone who put the money up to do that. So now I'm doing it, and I thought about, you know, a lot of the things. So the first big difference, now that I'm in this world and I'm going to invest, you know, to, to do about 20 to 25 of these things, uh, the first big difference is roster construction. The second is the type of players that you look to draft in best ball versus season long. So in roster construction, you have to understand in best ball – not only how many to take, but when to take them and how to build a team that you can win without waivers. Uh, Even in the FFPC, where you can build in so many different ways, I find you want to get to the end of the 14th round in most drafts with a pretty balanced roster with three usable quarterbacks, four running backs, four wide receivers, and three tight ends. You have to do that because over the next eight or nine rounds, you really need Uh, three kickers and three defenses, and then you fit in, you know, not every draft do I feel I have to have that exact construction. I I allow the board to play uh, out as it does in a best ball, but that's kind of a, I call, I call roster construction. um, I call it guardrails, right? It's meant to keep you on the road. Um, but that that's how you draft a best ball, right? You have to be very balanced through 14 rounds. In season long, you have to understand the type of players at positions you can normally find on waivers. That is the key thing. And you build your teams far less balanced, avoiding completely duplication at certain positions where you know that you can get similar players on waivers and, and, and the three positions are quarterback kicker and defense. I go into every one of these drafts planning on taking one of each. I never take more than two kickers, one kicker or defense. Once in a while, I will take a second quarterback. If all my, you know, last round or two, I don't want to be dogmatic about it. If there is a quarterback who is way ahead on my board than anybody I got left, I will take a second quarterback. Or if the quarterback I took was a a very late guy. As far as types of players, I'm much more likely to embrace weekly boomer bust players than best ball. All my teams, I blend floor and ceiling, but the need in best ball to get spike weeks is much greater. And as much as possible, um, you know, in season long, I want my lineups to jump out at me, uh, who I'm starting every week. I don't, I don't want on every team five, six players who either get me five points or 15 points. I'm much more likely to shoot in the middle with, uh, with floor uh, on, on, uh, or just complete dart throws, guys who I think uh, have no floor and, and all ceiling or guys who have, a, you know, a, you know, a, like once in the middle rounds, I, I'm, I'm much more likely to take, uh, you know, I don't want the Kenny Stills type uh, in season long as much. 
Todd, so that's roster construction. As far as when we talk about balancing risk, what, what does that sort of mean to you, that term versus, you know, season long versus best ball? Are we talking um, the, the types of, um, uh, you know, number of players you're going to draft at each position? Are we talking about the type, specifically the types of players that you just mentioned, the, the ceiling, all ceiling, no floor types, guys? How, how do you balance risk in these two formats? Well, the first thing you understand, have to understand, I think, in anything, and, or, and I think, you know, everyone has different advantages. Some guys are great with numbers. Uh, I'm not. I, I respect numbers, but I'm not going to make a spreadsheet that tells you how to win a draft. But what I can do is take advantage of human nature's natural tendency to be black or white. People seem to either draft these tourney teams like they would any other season-long league, figuring, hey, let's just get to the playoffs and YOLO it. Others seem to be focused on winning it all. You know, but you, you have to remember, you have to get to the playoffs to get a chance at the big money. So finding interesting ways to load your teams after the first few rounds for upside for late in the season, while also having guys who you need to early in the season to get you there is kind of how I do it. A perfect example is the backs who uh, had rookies drafted there who are going to have a role, especially this year where rookies don't have the normal time to get ready. Guys like Damian and Carrion might not win you 500K late in the year, but they might get you off to help you to get off to a five and one start after six weeks. And then a lot of times I'll balance them with a rookie running back, you know, one of the fifth or sixth round guys, especially I like Dobbins. I think, you know, if things break right for him, uh, you know, so that that's one way that I balance risk. Uh, and I don't know that everyone thinks, hey, I, I need some guys who are going to get me to the playoffs. And then I want to also have enough, you know, those guys who can crush it late. Uh, Todd, you said you're going to be drafting multiple teams of, what, 20 or 25? That's a, that's outstanding. Thank you. We appreciate it. In the Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, you know, people sometimes, and maybe you can tell us what your general strategy is as far as, you know, you're, there's players you really like. And obviously you may take Christian McCaffrey if you get a number, bunch of number one picks, you're going to take him. But uh, let's say there's someone you like the 8-9 turn. I don't, maybe you don't. I, I don't maybe get you know, early pick. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> Those only go to Austin Martin and some of the other guys in the Hardway chat. Um, so, but if you, let's say you get you get a bunch of eight nine picks and you and you're considering the Aaron Jones in the second round or Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, those types of players. Uh, how do you do? You prefer diversifying? Do you just say you know the YOLO way as you described it and just take you know the same guy every time? Or what do you what do you do? You try and diversify or stick with one player? Uh, I'm a, well, I'm a tier drafter and. You know, this is a deeper answer. I, I, I think it's a great question, uh, and it's something I thought about as part of the last answer. It's really important to know going into drafting, uh, you know, who's in the draft with you. But exposure is a really big part of best ball, and it's something I have an advantage at because I have built portfolios. Um, so the, the simple answer is, if I've got three or four guys on a tier, especially early, I'm going to mix it up because of injuries in football. I, you know, for best ball, I typically don't want more than 12 or 15% ownership on um, first and second round guys. The chance that they get hurt and take 30% of your rosters down is just too great. Um, with 20 teams, I still want to blend my exposure in a number of ways. The, you know, but I can't do it like I would like some of these 150 team guys do. When you have 150 teams, I guarantee you the guys who are doing it are much more focused on winning it all than I am and much more likely to YOLO a, a few teams uh, and have more risk in certain teams than I can afford to do in 20. But I, I, again, I always want to blend my risk, but it's probably double uh, what I would do in a in a best ball uh, portfolio where I can get 150 to 200 teams. FFPC best ball multi-league champion Todd Burroughs joins us tonight. Run to Daylight podcast host. You follow him on Twitter at Todd from PA. Todd, you touched on the quarterback situation from season long a, a little bit earlier and how you handle it there. Uh, what's your general approach in, in drafting quarterbacks? Are, are you willing to take the risk on 
Jackson or Mahomes early? Do you like to get two or three in the middle? How, as far as best ball goes, how do you normally uh, draft your quarterbacks? Well, I, I always find it funny on Twitter. Like, you know, uh, you, you get all sorts of questions on Twitter. One I've seen recently is, who do you, you know, I'm more of a, a late round quarterback guy. I think, you know, again, people look at the, you know, these guys who've had, you know, whether you, when you go back to 1984 with Marino, Peyton Manning's big year, every single quarterback who's had an outlier year came back to earth somewhat the next year. So I, you know, I'll only take, uh, I haven't, I don't have any Lamar shares or Mahomes shares yet. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I would take Mahomes in the late second round, but he's not even getting that far back anymore. Um, you know, just to have a share or two. Uh, and part of the reason, I, you know, I'm getting no early picks and Lamar is going, you know, I, but even then, I don't know if I would take him. But the funny thing on Twitter that I wanted to mention is people ask you who the next Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes is. And the answer is most likely nobody. Right. I mean, those kind of outlier seasons that we've seen from these kind of guys the last two years are pretty unheard of for young quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, and I just don't see anyone who's in a situation with an offense that's tailored to their skills like either of those two. So what I tend to do is I will take one of the top six quarterbacks if they drop a half round to a round. So I'm doing a draft right now with Elliot Christ as a partner, and we took Dak in the middle of the seventh round. He often goes in the sixth round. So to have some exposure to Dak, taking him when he drops around makes a lot of sense. But I'm not afraid to, you know, I've got four or five targets late. I'm always looking at my draft board to see if there's a quarterback who's so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, that he's the top player on my board, and then I'm not afraid to take him. If not, there's three or four targets I've got late uh, that I feel very comfortable putting a team in their hands. Well, that's an interesting answer, actually, because the next question kind of goes the opposite way. So it sounds like, uh, you know, you're you're t- taking value at the elite quarterback position, at the quarterback position if it's an elite player. Um, having said that, with regard to, like, running backs, tight ends, and receivers, if there's a player you really like, uh, is this something you might look at reaching for a player and drafting a player a half round to a round ahead of their ADP just because you just have to have them? <laughs> well, if you remember the hard way draft, you remember that I created a fewer by taking Derrick Henry at 2-2 when his ADP was late <laughs> third. So um, I, have, I, I had a few reasons for doing that, but the main one was I felt like I took the best value in the, in the early second to third early third round off the board and got a guy who was on the same tier as other people who I knew wouldn't slide. And it was a tactical move. Uh, and you were right. Beyond that, though, what, beyond that, though it, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you were right. Totally right. 100% right. Right. Yeah. And, and I almost won the league. I, I, I had three guys get me 12 points on the last day I needed 23 to win and Diggs, Coleman and Fuller got me 12. Um, so oh. I came really close <laughs> to winning that thing last uh, year. Uh, but the, you know, the bigger thing, again, I talk about is tier drafting. If I have a guy in a tier and I remember the Genesis draft, everyone gave that guy heck for taking uh, Kenyon uh, Drake at one six. And he actually did me a favor because I had Drake in the middle of a tier, and it made me think more about him. And I've been reaching for Drake as early as 1-7 or 1-8 in certain drafts, because I feel out of all the guys in that second tier beyond McCaffrey and Barkley, he's the one who was used as a workhorse back last year, who also catches passes as well as has a running game role. So um, you know, I am not afraid to reach. I'm not afraid to be aggressive. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the, the really interesting things is you have to realize that ADP for these football guys' drafts is not ADP elsewhere. There's a lot of really sharp guys, and they're willing, you know, if you sit back, I, I mean, we had a famous analyst in one of these drafts a week or two ago, and, you know, he just got, he completely lost it because he was waiting for these guys to get to him that never got to him. I think I you know, sniped them three or four times. 
And, you know, you got to know the draft that you're in, and you also have to take calculated risks. And I I guess that would be the, the best answer. But the one other point I wanted to make on that is you can also take advantage because all these guys do know each other. They can try and out, and they're so competitive, they can try and outdo each other, and they can drive a guy's ADP in these football guys' things well past where his floor is and make him a ceiling-only play. A perfect example last year was Daryl Henderson. And, yeah. you know, so, and, it, and it creates what I liked. And I fell for that one, too. It was my first year doing this, and I saw all these really smart guys doing it, and I just found myself doing it. This year I'm a lot more back to what I like to call avoiding the Wiley Coyote syndrome, you know, where you're <laughs> so eager to get what you want that you find yourself flying off the edge of a cliff. And then you look down, and look, and then you fall. And then you fall. You don't, you don't fall, Just don't, you don't don't fall the, until you look down. Right, and don't use the Acme drafting kit. I think that's what we can learn from the Wiley Coyote uh, uh, conundrum here. Beware of anvils. Isn't that what the, the, sheep, the non-sheeple rankings are for? <laughs> that, yeah, that's right. That's, the, the, Acme, the Acme draft kit is, is I, very, I, I very different. I think change his name to the Acme draft kit. No, actually, <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a really good that's good branding. Go ahead. Well, actually, think about all the gifts that are probably out there. Doing is actually the opposite of that. Uh, but I, Ron and I like to give each other a hard time. But um, yeah, the Acme drafting kit is even Fantasy Mojo's wonderful uh, football guys ADP. You can't just sit there and, and look at that and, and use it as a Bible. Well, and, and I think you know that. I can't remember if I said this on this show. No, I think I was talking uh, to uh, a real talk rep on, on rollerballer radio on Sirius the other day. And I said, you know, some of these guys who have drafted early now are like, while some people are just jumping in for the first time now here in late May, some of these guys drafted early have several drafts under their belts. They're trying to diversify a little bit. So they're taking, they're reaching for guys that they normally wouldn't just to get, you know, I, I, I want to get, I want to get a little uh, Chris Godwin action on my team. So I'm going to reach on him, you know, and stuff like that. And so, so the ADP is great, and it's, it's a good guide, but you've got to be prepared for anything uh, when it comes to these drafts. Todd, I feel like you, you kind of touched on this already, but when and, – and I always talk about on this show, you've got to get your guys. Get your guys. Know your targets. Go, it's you know, nauseating, actually. And, and so there's that, there's that uh, line of thinking. But on the flip side, you also got to let the draft come to you. When, when's the right time to let the draft come to you and know that maybe it's a little crazy to, to get your guys at, at certain prices? You know, without trying to be sound smarter than I am, um, uh, you know, I think that art, you know, drafting is an art form, and I don't think people realize it. Um, And, you know, having rules is not as good as flowing through a draft. Um, So actually, in every draft, I do both. You know, if and it depends on who's there and who might likely make it back to me. Um, a lot of times I'll reach a half a round or a round for a guy. It'll look like I reached for him. But really, he was the guy that was top of my board, and he fits with the team that I'm drafting. So there's two thoughts right there. And then the next pick I'll come up, and I mentioned taking Dak in the middle of the seventh. You know, I wasn't planning, neither Elliot or I was planning on taking a quarterback there, but he was clearly the best value on the board. So I blend in every draft reaching with scooping value. And I, I think that's the right way to do it. You know, I'm just, you know, your comment made me think about sometimes I'll be doing a draft and, you know, let's just say I'm interested in Todd Gurley at some point and, you know, his wherever his ADP is, late second, early third, or maybe he's not a good example. Somebody like in the seventh or eighth round, let's say I'm interested in Dak Prescott. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe he'll come around. Maybe he'll come around, you know, at the seven, seven, seven away pick. So I let him go and uh, hope to get him in the early eighth. And then the next pick he goes, there's just nothing that pisses me off more than how stupid I was to let him go. And you know, that was the guy. Well, oh, you're really, saying like, Oh, I'll let him go. Cause yeah, I'm on maybe, the clock. And then, yeah. yeah, I'm on the clock. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Prescott sometimes goes a little bit later. Maybe I'll get him. And then the next guy just snaps him up right away. I'm like, Oh, totally wrong. Does, the, that, does that ever happen to you? The only time I do that is when like, 
there was another guy that Elliot and I were considering around the draft. There were two or three other guys that Elliot and I were considering around the, the DAC pick. And my comment to Elliot was that this one guy has, a, 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 you know, probably a 50-50 chance of making it to the next round. There's no way DAC makes it to the next round. So I will, you know, if I'm between guys that I really like, I, 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 one of my, I talk a lot about tiebreakers. One of my tiebreakers is who's more likely to make it back to me. But if there's a tier difference, even if, like, if, if he's the, if I have one guy who's in my top tier that's left and everyone else is the next tier down, even if he might make it to me, I just take him because, like you said, there's nothing worse than, you know, a guy has an ADP of 8 3 and you have pick 8 2 and he goes at 8 1 when he was the top guy on your board at 7 9 or whatever it was. Yeah, and you were yeah exactly, and you were thinking about taking him. You're like, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait. anyway. So let's talk about rookies. Uh, we got the COVID nineteen uh, epidemic going on. Uh, possible mini camps are going to be can't look. Mini camps are canceled. We're not sure what's going to happen with training camp. What are you doing with rookies in the football guys players championship this year? And if you are drafting a few of them, maybe uh, you can just uh, you know leak a few names. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, well. I have to, I ha, I tend to have the really popular rookies two to three rounds later in value than even the really smart guys do this year. I mean, they could be right, but one of the things I learned from last year is just because you hang out with guys who are really smart doesn't mean you have to follow them. You got to be true to yourself. Um, so, uh, you know, I've uh, the, the first rookie that I really consider taking in drafts tends to be. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, but only once in a while in the third round, because I really think they're going to give him more of the role than Mac. Uh, all the other rookies, and, that, and this goes with the first couple rookie wide receivers, of those guys, the only one that I really seem to end up with any of is Dobbins for the reasons I mentioned earlier. I think that it, that offense is, you know, if he does get that role late in the season, he could definitely be a 500K winner. Um, but the rest of them, this, you know, and then, so that's the first 10 rounds. In the second 10 rounds, I, I load up on rookies uh, because, you know, I don't need them at that point to win uh, regular season games for me. I'm, that's where I'm loading up to, to, to try and hopefully get one or two really good bullets for the tournament. Now that's probably one difference I would I'm guessing maybe I'm wrong versus uh you know like a football guys tournament versus a basketball an example would be say taking uh Hamler let's say versus Fitzgerald in a basketball was that you know just as an example I don't know if you like either of those players or at all but I mean somebody who, if they're going to similar spots would you be more apt to take the upside guy in the basketball or would you be more apt to take you know just your steady Eddie type guy who's trying to get 10 to 12 points uh in in a, in a league like that I'm sorry. Could you ask that again? <laughs> That's all right. I know my questions get boring. But uh, would you take more of a veteran player, like let's say Larry Fitzgerald, well, or even, like let's say in the middle of it? I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> or let, let's say like or Devin Funches is another example of a player like he's on a new team um, versus a, a rookie player that's not going to have much training camp exposure. And I'm talking about in a best ball format versus the football guys type type format. Well, in in a in a best ball, I have zero Devin Funches because. You know, it really comes down to, to me, a, a, a thought process of what's this guy's upside should he win the job versus the chance that he's going to win the job, right? So I'm much more likely to, to take a Brian Edwards, um, you know, someone like that, whether it's best ball or season long. I'm much more likely that late to take the guy who – might just have that league-winning upside. Uh, because a guy like Devin Funches, more likely than not, I feel like I can get him on waivers. You know, wide receiver is a position during the season where you can get guys like Devin Funches almost every week. Uh, let's get – sorry, Dave, go ahead. Okay, thank I you. I know. I, when I point to you, and, I and, and, for, and for best ball, the same thing. Best ball wide receiver late, I'm looking for those spike week guys. I'm looking for the, you know, that guy who is the third wide receiver on the team, 
but he's going to catch a long touchdown pass three, four times a year and get you 15 to 20 points for best ball, late wide receiver, because I just realized I didn't answer your question. That's the kind of guy <laughs> I target in best ball. Uh, Todd, we got a couple of emails here from listeners that I wanted to, to read off to you. The first one is from George in Chicago. He writes, um, who is a sleeper tight end that you can get after the top 15 or so are gone? that has the best chance of being this year's Darren Waller. Thanks, Todd. That is George in Chicago. Thank you for the email, George. Uh, This is uh, interesting because um, I don't necessarily know if there is a this year's Darren Waller, you know, sort of what you said about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes earlier in our conversation, Todd. But I guess if there is going to be, who has the best chance of being one outside of the top 15 tight ends? Yeah, and I don't – I think, you know, the better question, and I don't mean to put George down – but I, I think that typically once you get past 10, you know, the guys who are in that 10 to 20 range, you can always find, you know, a couple years ago, I drafted a crap load of Zach Ertz. He finished strong in Philly that year. Last year, uh, then it was Kittle, who I wasn't on the next year. And last year it was Waller. Um, you know, uh, the two guys that I think, and, you know, I don't know exactly whether they're 10, 12, 15th, but uh, Jonu Smith and uh, Blake Jarwin are the two guys that I've been most high on. I, I think uh, Eric Ebron and Ian Thomas and Chris Herndon, if you really want to go late, um, Jay, uh, Jay Sternberger, all those guys have a varying degree of upside. A lot of people tell me they don't see Jonu getting the volume, uh, but I, I think, you know, he's so talented. I, I think he could surprise people with his volume. And I think Jarwin with Witten gone is walking into a great situation. So those are my two favorites. And those other guys that I mentioned are also guys that I dabble in. Uh, shameless plug for one of our uh, partners, but uh, Roto Underworld, Matt Kelly, of course, player profiler, um, asked me to, he asked, well, not just me, it's a bunch of people that he asked to record a, like a short 90-second, 120-second video about a certain player this year for his world-famous draft kit, which is not the Acme drafting kit. And I believe it just came out this afternoon. And um, How much is it? Uh, I, I don't know exactly how much it is. You can. Oh, you're quite the promoter. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you right now that <laughs> that the video I did for it, the the player I was chosen to do was Darren Waller, and I talked. Well, I guess I chose to do Darren Waller, but um, I talked about who could be this year's Darren Waller, and and I mentioned three guys. I won't give away the third one, but Johnu Smith. And Blake Jarwin, Todd, just like you said, I, I said those two guys stand a pretty good shot at it. And um, I, I'm totally with you on that, For especially for somebody who wants to not necessarily wait to draft those guys as their number one tight end. They're awesome backup tight ends. Also, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is another good name. May or may not have been the third guy I said. And oh, sorry. I think it was, sorry. I'm saying it may or may not have been. We'll, we'll, you know, check out the, the world-famous draft kit. Uh, from, it, it, uh, if, you want a really, if you want a really late guy, a guy who you can get in the 20th round of every draft, uh, 25th round of best balls, Caden Smith of the Giants. You know, Ingram has had a lot of trouble staying healthy, and Caden Smith played really good last year when uh, Ingram was down. Um, If Ingram goes down early, Caden Smith that late is going to be easy money. Yeah, and think about the other receivers they have there too. They don't have like a – um, and Odell Beckham uh, on their roster. They have Sterling Shepard. They have Golden Tate. They have Darius Slayton. You could have Caden Smith vulturing oh, quite a bit of shrimpy guys. Yeah, and and Caden Smith is not. So I, I really like that pick too. You know, even if Engram doesn't get hurt, um, or I mean, even if he's not hurt at the at draft time, he's a good best ball guy. And I guarantee you this, Dave, he will be. He he's the type of guy that a lot of those high society big payback guys love to draft in rounds. 17, 18, when it gets to be opening week of the season. One last email here for you, Todd, uh, before Dave has a question for you. This is from Gary in Santa Cruz. After last year's performance of the strategy, are you willing to say goodbye to zero RB? Thank you for the email, Gary in Santa Cruz. Todd, we have not mentioned zero RB at all tonight. What are your thoughts? Damn running backs keep staying healthy. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? What are your uh, thoughts? I guess we'll we'll turn this into a season-long question. You know, look, that's the opportunity, right? When nobody thinks it's going to happen, is the, this is the perfect year to do zero running back because everyone's convinced it's not a zero running back year. 
Um, I, I just my first draft with Elliot. We 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 didn't draft a running back to the fifth round. It was Kareem Hunt. And then you're, you know, you, first of all, most people don't understand what Sean Siegel, you know, they get the part about not drafting uh, running backs early, but there's really certain types of running backs that you draft in a, in a build like that. And this year is littered in the eighth to 12th round with guys who, if there is an injury, are going to be really good values. So Madison, Pollard, uh you know, Zach Moss, um, and you mix them with some pass catchers like a James White and some of these later guys, A.J. Dillon, you know. Um, I, so here's my thing. I'm not smart enough to pick which year is going to be a zero RB guy because I don't have a crystal ball. So every year I build about 10 to 15 percent, maybe 20 percent of my team's zero RB I don't go into a draft saying this is going to be a zero RB draft, but if the top player on my board, each of the first three and four rounds is a non running back, then I, 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 then once I get through like three rounds of it, I say, okay, this is a zero RB team. I got to start thinking about which running backs I'm going to put in and when I'm going to put them in. So uh, yeah, not smart enough to pick which year. It, you know, my crystal ball is not good enough to predict which running backs are going to get hurt in which year. Dave, uh, your favorite question for Todd here tonight. All righty, here it is. Uh, who's a player that you've been avoiding in your drafts completely so far this year, and a player you've been targeting in the mid to later rounds, aka your sleeper? Well, I don't. It's very rare for me to have zero shares of somebody being drafted early. Uh, it's just bad policy. <laughs> um, you know, they're being drafted <laughs> that way. Uh, you know, like I, I am completely off Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round, in the second round, but I took a share in a football guys when he dropped to the third. You know, I think I got him at 3-5 or 3-6. I said to myself, this is as late as he's ever going to go. I'm going to do about 20 of these. This is going to give me a 5% ownership on them. If I'm wrong, at least I don't hate my life completely. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, the second guy that, um, and this goes down to, uh, I think, you know, guys like Nelson Souza are smarter, work harder at this than I do. Uh, I certainly have more experience. Uh, there are, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, there are a lot of these guys who are on Miles Sanders in the first round and I can't get there. I, I still, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, Sid Bloom, Sig Bloom's, uh, rational coaching, you know, I, I believe that, you know, planning on your first round pick smashing because your coach is going to do something that he's shown that he never wants to do is a little, is a bridge too far for me. Um, as far as a guy that uh, two guys that I have late, uh, a lot of it's Damian Williams and Boston Scott, which share backfields with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Miles Sanders, because it's a yin and yang. People are so convinced that those two guys are going to be the guy. Well, when I look at the situations, I think Damian Williams has a very good chance of holding that job all year because they're not going to put. You know, Patrick Mahomes at risk very often if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can't block. We saw it with Rashad Penny a couple years ago. Um, they believe Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is their future, but that doesn't mean the future is going to start year one if these backs can't prove that they block. Boston Scott obviously isn't going to beat out Miles Sanders for the job, but I think he has an interesting week-to-week -week floor and then if Miles gets hurt, he, he could really – he showed a lot of skill in that offense. Uh, so those are two guys that I'm taking late. I like it, and, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Todd, of course, we all follow you on Twitter at Todd from PA. Um, but tell us a little bit about the Run to Daylight podcast. I know it's a, a blog talk radio uh, program. When can uh, – how hey, can you get does – your, does your program work? <laughs> Because ours works like half the time. That's been working pretty good. It's like eighty percent of the time lately. The, the 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 phone call, people calling in, has not worked lately. Um, oh, you know, you there's always up. something. Always something with. Um, 
you know, with blog talk. Um, so I just feel like, um, you know, I just feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's good. I, it's so easy and convenient to use when it does work and I'm too lazy to go out and try and change it. Uh, as far as my podcast, you know, it's evolved this year as I've evolved. It's a, a little, you know, less about best ball and a little more about football guys. I try and get interesting guests on and, uh, I try and come at things from a different angle than what most people come at it from. And uh, if you listen and you liked what you heard from me today, you'll get a lot more of it on my podcast. Uh, you're, I, I, I think I've said this before. You just have such a pleasant, I don't know, whatever the, whatever the, Mellifluous. The tone of the voice is, your voice is perfect for, for radio. My voice sucks. So your bulky ears <laughs> uh, I, are not quite as good. Todd's is much better than yours, too. <laughs> I definitely have a yeah, face. Yeah, we all have radio. we all have faces. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, uh, <laughs> you're not going to see me on Zoom quite that often. Uh, you know, thank you. That's, I, why, I that's, that's why we never we never do that on YouTube. By the way, that's no, why none of us like we're not doing YouTube videos. Screw that. We we've had requests like, hey, why don't you guys do a video podcast? And like that is not. I pick my nose like half. Well, the I show. mean, just like look at me right now. I'm I'm like. You need a haircut. I mean, Bucky looks and like a shave. Yeah. Hey, did you ever see the movie Teen Wolf? <laughs> Jesus H. Christ, this guy looks like. like you know, I was like Michael J. Fox. Luckily, he doesn't have the tremors or anything in the Parkinson's. But I mean, good God, it's embarrassing. My right hand was shaking quite a bit today. I don't know if there's anything. Uh, Like I would say, three to four weeks ago, I was at Tom Hanks Castaway, but now I'm at like Teen Wolf level. It's it's not great. Anyway. Uh, But okay, so Todd. So the other thing I wanted to say too, a lot of the the topics that we covered tonight, you and actually Dan Williamson covered on your podcast already. So if you want to get more in depth on that, check out that podcast. It's BlogTalkRadio.com slash run to daylight Todd how often are you doing podcasts on there is it is it weekly bi-weekly I try I try for weekly I've been a little lazy this year I I again it's funny for a few the last few years I really was trying to build my podcast and I always felt like I deserved more maybe recognition than I got and then playing with these high stakes guys and how they look down on analysts I, I just got, you know, it, again, it's hard to get the fire in the belly going at 57. But, you know, I really just would like to show that I'm, more, you know, I, I'm not just an analyst. I'm a dangerous player. So that's been more my focus this year. And hopefully I don't end up looking like an idiot at the end of the year. But uh, that, 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 that's the best way I can answer that right now. Look, the, the key to that is if you have a crappy year, you don't you don't talk about it like I don't bring up Andy Isabella. You know? so, so, so. Or Bishop Sankey. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I don't know. How uh, just let him go. We're playing this, this is the like worst. Bishop Sankey. I, I, I had a complete fade on Bishop Sankey his whole career. I, 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 I don't know. So did I, Bishop uh, Sankey. Yeah. I, uh, B- Bishop Stanky. Um, <laughs> oh, man. He's. Terrible. Todd, uh, listen, I, uh, you are going to get – go ahead. No, I, 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 I guess the, uh, the – you know, my favorite uh, late-round guy this year uh, was, you know, looking at tape was Anthony McFarland. And he ended up in a very interesting spot. I think he needs an injury. And for a while he was going in the 10th, 11th round, which was too rich for my blood. He's back in the 13th, 14th round. He, 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 I, he's very explosive. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, to me, I, I've been very blessed that when I watch tape, certain guys jump off the page at me, and I've been right more than I'm wrong. Um, but Bishop Sankey wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Todd, you are going to get your chance to show these pros what's what in the 2020 Pros versus Joe's uh, drafts, which kick off about two months, a little less than two months from today. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Hopefully you can pop on uh, the broadcast, make a pick or two again, and, and we'll catch up. Uh, we'll follow you on Twitter at Todd from PA. We'll check out the podcast, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash run to daylight. Todd, what a, tra- uh, what a treat it was tonight talking to you. Uh, thanks uh, so much for your uh, FFPC patronage. Good luck in all your uh, drafts so far this year and the upcoming ones as well. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Todd. Todd Burroughs, ladies and gentlemen, at Todd from PA on Twitter. Uh, won a lot of leagues in the FFPC best ball division, and, and I'm betting he's going to uh, win even more in football guys drafts this year as well. Always good to uh, talk to that dude. What a, what a great guy. Okay, so we only have about six minutes left, about five minutes left in the show. 
Uh, I apologize. We're not going to get to any emails this week. We'll, we'll, we'll try to do more of them next week, but I do want to get to some of the news around the NFL. Um, and I want to thank football guys, Riddle World and Rob for bringing this to us. I'm going to kind of pick and choose here and bounce Yay, around. A all the bit. crappy news can be skipped. All right. So Jeff Zrebic, Zrebic from uh, the athletic. Boy, that's like a haiku in itself. Justice Hill is, this is his report is expected to take a big jump in his second year, according to John Harbaugh. But then John Harbaugh said this, is that really a problem to have four guys breaking off big runs and making guys miss? There's roles, for, there's roles there for those guys. So if, and he's talking about Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Ingram. Dave, is the fact that John Harbaugh is saying this now going to make you shy away from these owning any Ravens running backs uh, in the upcoming season, given that there's four of them that Harbaugh wants to get worked in? Or is this just coach speak to you? To me, this is just coach speak. Uh, my first player is Ingram, and that my first and kind of last player is Ingram on that team for really? free draft purposes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mark Ingram, by the way, I think we talked about this last week. They were going roughly back-to-back. J.K. Dobbins has actually overtaken them in the last week in Football Guys Players Championship drafts, thanks to the ADP info we have from FantasyMojo.com here. J.K. Dobbins running back 28, Mark Ingram twenty running back 29. They're going at the 5-6 turn. You are totally skipping Dobbins and taking Ingram at that price point, right? Um, that is what I would probably do. Yes. If and, I was playing a best ball and I, for, if for some reason it worked out I, and I was in the late area there, I might take them both. And no chance you're going to draft Edwards or, um, Justice Hill late in a best ball, right? I would or very say, little chance, I should say. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Okay. It's, you know, maybe. All right. Uh, I would be more interested in like a Naheem Hines versus yes, Justice Hill. Yeah. Right? You know, you know, what's funny is I was drafting, um, uh, Kentucky draft a couple of nights ago and I took Aaron Jones in the second round and then I was waiting to take AJ Dillon. And I guess I waited around too long because he went one pick before me when I was going to take him. And then I ended up pivoting to Naheem Hines instead. And I don't feel really necessarily all that bad about it. I did at the time. I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks. I, I should have got Dillon. Um, but Heinz could catch a lot of passes from Philip Rivers this year if, if history is any guide with Rivers totally. dumping the ball off there. 100%. And I think that's a reason I don't mind shying away from Jonathan Taylor this year because he has a lot of things to deal with. The training camp uncertainty, um, beating out Marlon Mack, and the fact that he's probably not going to be a three-down back. He probably won't be much on the field on third downs this first season. Maybe I, I think he probably will supplant him in, in 2021. Not 2020. I could be wrong, but I think there, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of little things he has to get past. I think he's a super, super, super talented player. So he has a shot. I mean, if you're Ladanian Tomlinson, if you're Adrian, the next Adrian Peterson, uh, you're going to be fine. You'll make plays. You'll, you'll beat all of all these scrubs. I believe he had the highest speed score of any running back at this year's combine as well. So a lot of things going the right way for Jonathan Taylor for his career, at least. All right. So Carlos Hyde this week signed with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, terms are not disclosed, according to John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hyde actually had a thousand yards rushing for Houston last year, but then didn't get uh, any like a sniff of, of anything until Philly and, and Seattle were kind of interested in him this past week. Chris Carson uh, coming off the season-ending injury. Rashad Penny not expected to be going uh, at the start of the year. In fact, he could be on the pup list to start. All they did in the draft is they drafted DJ Dallas. They still have Travis Homer there. Carlos Hyde actually played last season with a torn labrum. He had surgery on it in February, Dave. Um, I, I guess. Play, by the way, I had a torn labrum. I've said this before. Right. Playing with a torn labrum as a running back, who gives a crap? It's not a big deal. Okay. I mean, a labrum hurts when you have to tear, take your arm back. So as a quarterback, it would suck. Quarterback or receiver, where you have to jump up and, and bring your arm back past your head level. Mm-hmm. As a running back, it's big. It just is literally nothing. So mm-hmm. he's not being anything. If you're playing with a torn meniscus, now that's different. If you're running back, right. anyway, go ahead. So the the question I was going to have to you, to me, Travis Homer is undraftable. DJ Dallas is poor, borderline undraftable right now. It, the, the fact that they're getting high, does this signal maybe a, a split in carries between him and Carson? Does this hurt Carson's stock, or is high just a handcuff for you? I think it makes a little bit of a dent, because I don't think DJ Dallas would have been ready for prime time. Uh, Penny is not, not available, and uh, Homer's just not that talented. Hyde is a legitimate, like we said before, high legitimate running back. I don't think he's all that talented, but he's a four yards per carry type guy. And... Uh, He'll get some action, but I, you know, I think Carson is still the is still the starter. I'd probably be a little bit more apt to, you know, a lot of times if you have Carson similar to someone else that's going right in that spot, I might look to that other player possibly there. Um, I think David John, I would go definitely take David Johnson over Carson. He goes in that same range. 
Well, we here, here's what we could do. I'm trying to think who else goes right around there. Le, um, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell. I would take both of them beforehand. But okay. Way before, I mean, yeah, way before. The, I, I only bring those three guys up are going basically at the same spot as Carson. Here's guys that are going about a round after Carson right now. Devin Singletary. To me, I would take Singletary over, uh, over Carson myself. I would too. Cam Akers? No, I would definitely not take Cam Akers. You'd rather have Carson? Yeah, he's You not, don't like Akers? I don't. I think like Akers has to, he has to deal with, uh, you know, he has to deal with Henderson, right? And Malcolm Brown, who I and believe, Brown, yeah, we I don't believe even is know. a starter on the depth chart Yeah, I mean, right that's now. the thing. Is it's like, you know, I, the Akers, to me, I'm mystified by the fact that Akers is going where he's going there. That's it's a just the Florida State respect, Dave, by, by high-stakes drafters. Um, Raheem Mostert, or Chris Carson? Actually, I, uh, that's getting close. I mean, I'm not sure. The thing is, you, Mostert, you have to worry about the, the volume. But uh, I, he's definitely a way more explosive player. Uh, I agree. I would rather have Carson, though. Um, and then uh, Carson or DeAndre Swift? Uh, Carson. Okay. Yeah, I think we're into it now. All right. Let's uh, do By the way, uh, we're down to one team in the yeah. Midnight Football Guys, and we added a 1230 a.m. Oh, I guess I'm commissioning that one, too. All right, only if you want to. Yeah, no. I'll let, let I, I'm guessing it won't fill, but I'll just leave it up for like 45 minutes and see if anyone joins. All right. Um, okay, so that's cool. Why am I not? Okay, that's not. I, we got to end this show. One last thing I want to talk about, because we haven't talked about him enough on, on this program, uh, basically since last year. Le'Veon Bell said he's looking forward to playing behind the team's retooled offensive line, uh, according to ESPN.com's Jeremy Fowler. Remember, last year there was no holes to run through. The Jets made some additions to that line, hopefully improvements. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, is maybe his volume goes down a little bit with the signing of Frank Gore and the addition of LeMichael Perrine, but maybe that helps him keep, keep fresher. We know where he's going, Dave. It's that James Conner, David Johnson, Chris Carson range. Le'Veon Bell at that spot. Do you like him better than those other guys there? You know, I, I think when you look at Le'Veon Bell last year, you have a, what was it, a second-year quarterback in Sam Darnold. The right. offensive line wasn't all that great. He had taken a complete year off. Now he, uh, you know, he's back. I, I kind of, I, I think, and he's not that old. I mean, he's old from a dynasty perspective. He's ancient in dynasty. No one's <laughs> paying him anything. Yeah. But I mean, from a redraft perspective, I think you're getting a little bit of a deal on Le'Veon Bell. And I think the team will be better. Darnold will definitely be better. The offensive line is better. Um, and I'm not worried about P. Ryan at all. Uh, so I, I think he's actually kind of a little bit of a value there. I think so, too. There's a chance that Le'Veon Bell, I mean, this guy, was he was a first-round caliber redraft player for many years. I mean, he's a talented, talented back. Six, seven, five, three-cone drill. That that skill doesn't just it doesn't just drop off. I mean, and he's totally stone-cold ripped where he was. I mean, and he, sound, he seems like a professional. He's staying in good shape, I'm sure. I like Le'Veon Bell this year. According to Football Guys drafts right now, Dave, you could start off a team with either Devontae Adams or let's just say you start off with Tyreek Hill and then get Julio Jones at the turn. So you go Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones. Then at your next turn, you could go DJ Moore as your third receiver and then Le'Veon Bell as your number one running back. Not a bad way to start. Yeah, if you're skipping running back early, that's one way to go. Yeah. All right, well, one way to go is us, and that is going to be signing off this program because i got to get home and commission this midnight draft. It looks like it's going to uh, fill up. Yeah, it's, it's filled. Oh, it did fill. Okay, somebody was already to hear 12 it. left in the 1230. There you go. Be 12 heroes I need. Uh, to, to recruit for that. I got some work to do tonight anyway, so this will be great uh, to, to watch you guys draft. I want to thank uh, Alex Kaganowski. I want to thank Todd Burroughs for popping on the show. Of course, Dave Gerzak, PFFPC, Rob, Bryce, and each and every one of you. Now, remember, we are live next Friday at 10, 9 Central for our first June draft, or our first June uh, show of 2020. Uh, remind everybody to check out the Football Guys Players Championship Early Bird, which is available, of course, best ball leagues, best ball slims um, that are out there as well as, of course, and, of course, Dynasty Startups are still available. We'll have those throughout the summer, I would imagine, but make sure you're jumping in now because they'll be tougher and tougher to fill as the summer goes on and everybody slips into redraft mode. Uh, Great stuff from Alex, too. Remember to book those flights. Get those early bird teams right now. It's the best deal you're going to get on any FFPC main event teams all season long. Todd was great. It, Todd was great. Book those rooms, too, at the at Planet Hollywood. You can check out the FFPC email letter for your link there. Stay at home this and stay safe. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. Broadcast live and heard around the world. <laughs> Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, <laughs> interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. I'm down with digging in the crates, and I'm MVP. This rap was the game.
Is this, is this by the way, there's uh, Dave, there's... Oh, no, forget it. I thought there was somebody... No, there is signed up. Somebody's already signed up for the 1230. Yes! So only 11 heroes left. Hey, you know, you know this could fill. Well, you never know. That big L that, that did that song, MVP song... He dead. Oh, he is dead? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I'd never heard of him. What do you mean 11 left? I don't see 11. I, I'm showing somebody in the 1230 a.m. draft. Oh, I must not have. Smoking Joe's, Team must 1. Not update you. That's All right. great. Anyway, um, so um, the point I want to make, I never heard of Big L. And, of course, BK Stir Fry, uh, Aaron, uh, called me out on that. He's like, how have you never heard of Big L? I never heard of him. I never knew who he was. I mean, he's not that popular. Then I heard this song, and I was like, I recognized that, that little – I thought it was a sample – so is this legit that do 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 that that's originally from this song because I've heard that sampled on other hip hop songs. I mean he he may have sampled somebody else. Okay. I mean, you know a that lot of these question. samples are from like the 60s and 70s and like Motown and whatever. I have no idea. All right. Well, good stuff. The more you know. Well, 11 left. 11 right. left. All right, let's make it happen people. Make it happen, captains, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.